Iranians, they have tried a lot to, to get to the point to be a free country. Um, part of this chain of uh, crimes that they have committed in the last 43 years, and everybody is fed up now. Everybody wants justice. Everybody wants freedom. And this is, uh, this is like the whole nation is crying. That's the voice of Hamed Asmelian, whose wife and daughter were murdered by the Iranian regime, which shot down flight PS-752. And he's going to be one of the keynote speakers of what's turning into a massive freedom rally planned around the world. This Saturday, one of those rallies will take place in Richmond Hill. There are uh, 70 countries taking place in these rallies, and hopefully more will uh, come aboard. And it's all in support of the women of Iran, which have taken to the streets leading to what many now see as a revolution. And, of course, it's all sparked by the murder of Masa Amini, who was detained by the morality police because her hair was coming out of her hijab and was killed in their custody. I want to bring in Kaveh Sharuz. He's a lawyer, human rights activist, and a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. You're also part of uh, putting this whole thing together. Great to have you. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you for staying focused on the story, Alex. Absolutely. I mean, it's an, a pivotal point, I think, in history and, and in our geopolitical structure. I mean, we saw these protests, which uh, kind of popped up pr- impromptu on Saturday in Toronto, up at Melasman Square. So now this is kind of, um, you know, the wind is in their sails and we're, we're seeing this again. You know, a lot of people have said, well, protests won't change anything, Alex. Um, but again, this is being watched by the regime who has made no secret that they would like us to butt out. Oh, absolutely. They're watching very closely. Um, One of the things they've done is they have cut off the internet in Iran in an attempt to shut down the protests so that they can't um, communicate what's happening inside the country. So it's all the more important for us to raise our voice here so that this uh, regime is not successful in in shutting down the protests. We want to echo the voices of the protesters on the ground. You know, they don't want to be seen losing control, but it seems that they have lost control because uh, these protesters, led by women, uh, but certainly supported by a lot of men in um, Iran who are now saying, we don't care, we want regime change. And so I think a lot of people look at this as a debate about the hijab. Um, it's not. I mean, at the fundamental core of it, it's about women saying, we want to have choice. You know, we want to be able to choose what we do. We don't want to be told to wear something, but it is ultimately about regime change, correct? That's absolutely right. For a long time, there was a trend on social media where Iranians would post things about wanting, you know, the hashtag was a normal life. They just Mm -hmm. want to be able to live normal lives without the government dictating every tiny, intimate aspect of their lives. So the hijab became kind of the, the focal point. And of course, it's it's an unbelievable imposition on the rights of women to force them to, to, to wear the hijab. But I think that the issue is much bigger than that. The issue is getting rid of the structure that forces women to live as second-class citizens and forces people to basically live in subjugation um, to a geriatric theocracy that's ruled the country for 40 years. We have a, an enormous um, Iranian community here in the GTA and Toronto, and so they watch this very closely. What are you hearing? I mean, is this a turning point? Do you feel like this is a turning point? Because we have seen protests before in Iran, no question about it. But but since uh, 2019, you know, we have seen, um, you know, Iran become even more thuggish. Uh, certainly they are murderers with what they did to the people on board PS752. And it just seems now with all the um, economic pressures that are on the young people of that country, that this is different. Absolutely. A dam has broken, Alex. So I've spent the last, I would say, 20 years of my life um, involved in activism 
um, for democracy and freedom in Iran. And I can't tell you how many protests I've gone to where it's been a struggle to get 10 people to come out, not because people didn't care in our community, but people were mm. afraid, they didn't want to speak out. Um, and, uh, you know, a dam has broken. We're planning a rally for Saturday. We're anticipating 10,000 people will come out, Jeez. possibly possibly more than that. Um, no one's afraid anymore. People are open to saying down with the Islamic Republic. Um, and, you know, all debate about whether or not the system can evolve and reform is, is over now. I think people have just decided that they're done with the Islamic Republic. They want a liberal democracy in Iran. Yeah, and there's a lot we can do, um, but we aren't do doing it. We get a lot of talk, a little walk. The Trudeau government has had a lot of pressure of doing something, but the things that they're doing, which is issuing sanctions, they won't budge from. There is a huge increased call for them to designate the Iranian um, military, the IRGC, as a terror entity. They won't do that. The foreign minister, uh, Melanie Jolie, was asked four times, you know, why won't you do this? I mean, designate it. And, and she couldn't untie her tongue to actually explain why they won't do it and or, you know, the rationale. I don't understand why they are being so cagey about this. It is simple for them to do. It would send a very direct message. They just won't do it. It's really a mystery. So one thing that you said that I want to correct you on, and I think it's really yeah. important for people to understand this. You said, you know, the IRGC being Iran's military. The IRGC is not Iran's military. Iran it's the has a yeah. Exactly. Iran has a military that's there for national defense. The IRGC exists to protect the regime. Um, that's mm -hmm. their mandate. It's written in the Iranian constitution. Um, and so it's really important that we designate them as a terror group. I don't know why Minister Jolie has not been willing to do so. I've heard rumblings that there are big sanctions being announced tomorrow on Friday on individuals, um, mm -hmm. high-ranking individuals, but I have not heard anything about the IRGC itself. And I just, I cannot explain um, the government's foot dragging on this issue, even though they've made the commitment that they will do it. Well, look, they've, they've made a lot of promises, as you know, and as you've been following, they made a lot of promises to the victims uh, and the families left behind um, who were murdered on that flight. Uh, they have not done anything to get any kind of transparency and or justice for those people. And so the easy things that they can do, they just don't seem to do. And and again, I think there's going to be a growing frustration on that. What would designated uh, designated this uh, terror um, you know, entity, what would that do? What it would do is it would freeze their assets and prevent members of the Revolutionary Guards from traveling to Canada. Um, anecdotally, we hear, and there are some documented cases, but anecdotally, yeah. we hear a lot about people that are affiliated with the IRGC mm -hmm. coming to Canada, bringing their stolen wealth here, bringing their families here. So they, they, they repress people back home. They prevent people from living ordinary lives back in Iran, but they don't mm -hmm. want to live under those conditions. So they come to Canada and designating them as a terror group would actually indicate that these people are not welcome here. And if they are caught here, then we will prosecute them for the terror that they're uh, causing to citizens back in Iran. And are they locally doing anything to pressure people to not speak out? Um, you know, the, the, the Iranian intelligence service has been very effective at trying to intimidate uh, protesters and, and activists abroad for many years. You know, they, they monitor what we do. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience, sometimes I speak out and my family back in Iran gets visits um, from the mm. intelligence ministry asking kind of what's going on and what I'm up to. Uh, my family in mm. Iran does not volunteer information. They don't have information. Um, so they've, they've certainly been involved in that kind of activism, in, in that kind of monitoring. But as I mentioned, a, a dam seems to have broken. I think people at this point are just so frustrated that they're willing to take that risk and come out and just say, we're done with this. Regime. We want something different.
All right. Well, we'll wait to see who is on the list of those particular sanctions, and we'll see if it's more than lip service. Uh, just give us the information about these rallies. The Time to Come rally uh, starts when? Sure. Uh, it's called the, the Time Has Come. It's an Iran Solidarity Rally. It's on Saturday, October 1st. Uh, there's a march that starts at 1.30, and uh, the folks are marching from Young and 16th Avenue up in Richmond Hill, which is a large Iranian-Canadian mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. community. 1.30, the march starts, and then we have a rally at 2.30 at Richmond Hill Central Library. Outside of it, there's a big space, and we're anticipating thousands of people will come out. So I hope that your listeners will join us. Yeah, well, no question about it. It will get eyes on it. So I thank you for the details. And of course, we'll continue following what happens. Thanks, Kaveh. Thank you so much, Alex. That is Kaveh Sharuz, who has uh, been talking and fighting for this issue for a very, very long time. And again, one of those behind this freedom rally, which is called The Time Has Come. So we'll keep an eye on that.